Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to I Am Persuaded, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I know it's been a good while since I've posted, and I apologize for that. We had an extremely busy summer with just youth group things, and I was finishing up my master's degree and a couple of family things going on, and so I apologize for not posting in a while, but I'm looking forward to getting back in the routine of recording some I Am Persuaded episodes. And so for the next couple of episodes, the next three episodes, it's going to be a class that I taught live, and so the format will be a little bit different, the sound might be a little bit different, but it's a class that I taught at my home church, Beulah Baptist on spiritual disciplines and the prayer and you'll hear me say this in in the audio recording the prayer is just that we would establish a daily routine for studying the bible and praying and just fellowshipping with the lord and so i hope you'll take time the episodes are lengthy they're around 50 minutes to 55 minutes each so maybe break it up into a couple different sessions or listen to it all together but i pray you'll take the time to listen to all three episodes as they're posted and prayerfully you can walk away having a more established daily walk with Jesus. So here it is. I hope it's a blessing. My prayer behind this, and I've wanted to do this for some time, my prayer behind it was we've realized with D groups and Bible studies that it's a lot, a lot of people don't have a daily pattern for a Bible study, don't have a daily pattern for a prayer life, don't have a weekly pattern for evangelism. So spiritual disciplines, that's what it is. It's things that we are commanded to do as believers every single day of our life that helps us grow in spiritual maturity and helps us pursue Jesus every single day of our life. And so I meant to put up a picture, and I'll put it up next time. We now have class next week, then we'll have it in two weeks from now. Um, it's this guy in a full armor suit. Only thing that's opened is his eyeballs with this little, like, barely an opening that an arrow could fit through. And the guy says... Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in my spiritual discipline. I don't think anything could take me down. And then the arrow says pride, and it shoots him right in the eye. And so a lot of times we think, I'm doing really good. And so a lot of you might be thinking, yeah, I'm doing great. And I'm, we're not here to throw rocks. I'm not here to beat anybody up. But there's a sense that we all could be doing more in our spiritual life to pursue Jesus every single day. And that's the prayer behind this. And so three weeks, and then we'll have the same class. So hopefully you'll get catch two of these, and so three weeks on spiritual disciplines. My prayer for week two is that we, I'm just going to simply take a Bible passage and kind of walk you through how I would study it, and so then uh, a lot of people have never been taught how to study the Bible, and so my passion has been, I've I've taken some classes in that, and not that I'm an expert in it by any means, but just to help people understand how they can take a passage of Scripture, go verse by verse, word by word, and interpret it. It's one thing to read, it's another thing to understand and apply it to our life. And so I rest my really my prayer behind all of this is that we could leave having a daily habit, a routine for how to study, how to implement, and how to walk and grow closer to Jesus in these spiritual disciplines. So we're going to look at a few different passages of Scripture tonight. If you'll turn first, if you have your Bible, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We'll look there, then we'll flip to 1 Peter, we'll flip to Psalm 139, and we'll flip to Luke 22. So we'll be a little bit all over the place for tonight. All right, Philippians chapter 3, look at verse number 10. We'll read down a few verses. This will kind of give us the thrust to dive into tonight. The verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Verse 14, and we'll pray. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray as we start. Lord, we love you, and we thank you just for your goodness. We thank you for who you are and the ability that you've given us to understand who you are and the truths that are contained within our relationship with you, Jesus. So I pray now for the next three weeks that you would speak to us from your word and we could discern just some truths that we need practically every single day. So I pray this class is informative, but Lord, I pray it's practical and so that we can walk away better understanding how we can grow in maturity in our relationship with you every single day. So Lord, I pray you'd speak to us now tonight. And for the rest of the classes, be with the, uh, the parenting class and the mind class. Lord, I pray you'd speak to all of them, and we would all leave just informed from your word and eager to apply it in our weekly life. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. All right, can you all hear me okay? I feel like I've got a bad echo. Can we turn these down just a little bit, maybe? Maybe that's where I'm getting it from. All right, that's a little bit better. Um, so, Philippians chapter number 10, or chapter number 3, verse number 10 says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So how many of you have ever experienced this? And Paul writes about it in Romans. He writes about it in Philippians. He's pursuing Jesus. You read that clearly in Philippians chapter 3. He's walking toward the finish line. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And so he's working toward something. He's pursuing something. But Paul makes the statement in these verses, I have not attained means I have not arrived. I have not reached my destination. I've not yet reached where I'm going, who I'm pursuing. I've not yet fulfilled the calling that God has placed on my life to the, my fullest ability. So how many of you can resonate with this? God, I will read my Bible every single day. God, I will pray four or five times a day. God, I will, you know what, I'll even do what Paul said. I'll pray without ceasing. So that means the pastor said multiple times. That means it's an open-ended conversation with God during my day, one minute I'm praying, next minute I'm not. I'm at lunch, I'm praying. I'm at supper, I'm praying. I'm just in a conversation with God all day. And so we see this with teenagers. I've seen this in my life, and this is not me being a hypocrite. This is me saying this is what's happened to Travis. I make this commitment. God, I will read the Bible every single day. God, I will do this, or I will pray every day. And then it seems like that goes great for a few weeks. And then it seems like that kind of, well, life happens, and, well, this is coming up, and well, the job is important, and well, my television show is on, and well, now I'm exhausted because I had to get up early, and I had to take this person here, and I had to go here, and I had this meeting, and well, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. Well, I'll, I'll read my Bible next week. Put it off. And so then we start this pattern, and I've been there. I've been there many a times in my life where we're telling God what we're going to do, what our aspirations are, what we're pressing toward, and then all of a sudden it seems like a week later we kind of fall off the wagon. I, somebody at camp last year, we took our teenagers to Pensacola, and I probably shared this with you, but I think I did in my la class last year. This counselor made a statement to one of our teenagers who was struggling with how to read the Bible every single day. He said, Satan's favorite word is tomorrow. Jesus's favorite word is today. Great truth in there. Jesus says, hey, read scripture today. Hey, be practical with me today. Hey, dive into a relationship with me today. Satan says, oh, no, 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 no. Look at all you've got on your schedule. Just do it tomorrow. Do it the next day. Do it the next day. And so what that counselor said in very profound words, he said, 
If we say yes to tomorrow, Satan has won for the day. Because if he can get us to say, I will practice my Christianity tomorrow, if I will implement Bible study tomorrow, if I will implement prayer tomorrow, he knows, Satan knows, we're not promised tomorrow. So Satan has won in the grand scheme of that day in the spiritual warfare that we're engaging in. Last year we were talking about spiritual warfare. But that's true for this as well. In spiritual disciplines, if Satan can say, hey, just do it tomorrow, and we say, you know what, the TV show is on, my favorite ball team's playing, i got to go here, I've been exhausted, and I'll just do it tomorrow. That starts a pattern of breaking the promise that we've made to God that we will do this every single day of our life. So Satan loves that. I read a quote on the screen here. Spiritual disciplines are like the wires that connect us to the power of the gospel. They have no power in themselves, but they connect us to the place from which the power flows. They are gateways to the gospel, but not the gospel itself. So let me explain that. It's one thing to own a Bible. Have a Bible. It's a great thing to have. It's a completely different thing to read, study, and apply the Bible on a daily basis. The Bible is not the gospel. The Bible contains the gospel. The gospel was fulfilled in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, this death, burial, and resurrection. That's how we obtain salvation is by faith, believing in Jesus and Jesus alone, but these spiritual disciplines. From once we have accepted Jesus, we have made our profession of faith, we have embraced Jesus, we then go on this spiritual journey of growing in him. And what this guy says, spiritual disciplines are like the wires that connect us to the power of the gospel. See, what's that mean? This gospel that we believed in, that we trusted in, is so powerful. It will radically transform a life. You look at the Apostle Paul. He gives his testimony in Philippians, he gives it in Romans, he gives it in Acts multiple times. His testimony is, I was a wicked sinner pursuing to kill and imprison Christians. I hated them. But yet this Jesus guy, he met me on this road, of the road I'm going to Damascus. He met me there. And he radically changed my life. And now, instead of pursuing to kill Christians and imprison Christians, I'm pursuing to make Christians. Say, so what changed his life? Jesus. The gospel changed his life. But Paul's life did not stop. He continued over and over, day by day, growing in Christ-likeness. So as you see Paul in Acts chapter 9, when you see Paul when he's writing to the Romans, he's ending his, his life. You see Paul when he's writing to Timothy at the end of his life. Paul grew every single day of his Christian life. Yes, he still fought with sin. Romans tells us that. Paul says, the things that I want to do, I end up not doing. Things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And so Paul says, I'm in this daily battle where I'm trying to pursue Jesus and Satan is attacking. But I'm, I'm desiring to, what he said in Philippians chapter 3, I'm desiring to attain, to arrive at this mark, at this finish line with growing in Christ Jesus. So spiritual disciplines are like the wires that connect us to the power of the gospel. No power within themselves. You can be lost and read the Bible. You can be lost and pray. There's no power within them simply. The power is once we're saved, they're the plug, they're the outlet, they're the wire that connects us to Jesus every single day of our life. A saved person reading the Bible profits. A saved person reading the Bible grows to be like Jesus every single day of their life. That's why spiritual disciplines are important. If you've ever built a house or built anything, you know the blueprints, they're foundational for anything you're building. The builder will often go back to the blueprints and look at the structure to make sure they're building everything correctly because if you put one piece of that architecture, whatever it is you're building, in the wrong place, everything is messed up. 
And so often throughout the build, they will go back to those plans, go back to those designs to try to fix what they're doing, make sure they're on track. So it's always good, no matter if you were the youngest Christian in here or the oldest Christian in here, it's always good to go back to the blueprints and see what we are to do as a believer in Jesus every single day of our life and sharpen that skill so that we can grow every single day of our life. So I told an illustration in the spiritual gifts class two years ago, and I was like, I'm not going to tell it again, but it really fits. And so you know the old saying, if the shoe fits, wear it. If the illustration fits, use it. That's my philosophy for tonight. It was a man. He wanted to go on a cruise for his, he, he was poor, he worked for a long time, he really just wanted to go on a cruise. So if you remember this, you can just humor me like you've never heard it before. And so he wanted to go on this cruise really, really bad. So he saved up his money for like two years. He said, I'm going to book a two-week cruise. All I can afford is the one way, the ticket to get on that cruise. I'm going to leave New York. I'm going to cruise for two weeks, and life's going to be great. So this man saved up his money for two years, finally bought this cruise ticket, and he goes on the cruise. But he packed a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for three of them for every day that he was there for 14 days. Because he said, I can just afford the food. I can just afford the ticket. I can't afford the food. So he goes on this trip. It was like the 10th day. This is a true story. Like the 10th day he's on this cruise, he is, he's met some friends that they hung out together by the pool or whatever. And they finally say, hey, man, what's his name, Johnny? Hey, you want to go with us to eat supper tonight? No, I can't do that. Well, dude, you went back to your room every night at supper time. Why can't you go eat with us? And he said, well, to be honest with you, I didn't have enough money to buy food. I just had enough money to buy the ticket. And I've enjoyed myself. I've had a great time, but I can't afford the food on the trip. He said, dude, you understand. The food was included with your ticket. So this man wasted 10 days of his cruise trip because he wouldn't eat the great food. He's eating this nasty peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't like peanut butter and jelly. I couldn't do that for 10 days. And so this man was eating it every single day, breakfast, lunch, and supper because he didn't realize all the benefits that came with the ticket to this cruise liner. A lot of Christians are like that. They don't realize all the benefits that come with pursuing Jesus. A lot of Christians live their life with this mindset, well, I've accepted him. I have eternal, I have eternal life with him. That's all it is. Satan is lying to you. There is so much more in the Christian life than just complacency and sitting here on Sunday mornings and Sunday night and listening to pastor and listening to the songs and working Bible school. There's so much more to the Christian life. There's a daily pattern. There's a daily habit. There's a daily routine to where we're like Paul. We are pursuing Christ Jesus every single day of our life. And so conversations with Christians go like this all the time. Say, how are you doing spiritually? Well, pastor, not going to lie, I've been better. Not going to lie, I've not been reading my Bible like I should. And it's fine if that's you. That's, that's 100% honesty. But it seems like that's the norm in, the, in Christian churches, is that people are okay with not having any spiritual disciplines in their life. And that's not what Jesus intends for our spiritual journey. He doesn't just want us to get saved and then just sit on these pews and live life until he returns. There's so much more. There's a greater benefit in the Christian life to knowing Jesus on a deeper and more intimate level. That's why Paul said, I've been saved for years when he writes Philippians chapter 3. He says in verse 10, that I may know him. You say, Paul, you're saved. Of course I'm saved. But there's still parts of who Jesus is that I have not yet explored. And I want to grow into a deeper knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. So if that's you, or to be honest, I've been away from God and I'm trying to come back. Or to be honest, I haven't read my Bible like I should, but I know I should. Then tonight, spiritual disciplines 
week one hopefully should be an encouragement. Now, what we're going to do, I'm going to kind of push you a little bit tonight. Then week two and three, we're just going to get very practical. I'm going to challenge you, not with physical homework, but with some spiritual homework to do. We don't meet next week, to meet in two weeks from now when we come back. That something we have done, it's called an examination of ourselves, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. But number one, we see the first truth, there's a few of them tonight. Spiritual growth should be daily. Spiritual growth should be daily. And so being consistent with anything is key. I am the type of guy, a lot of the teenagers know this, I find something new that I like to do, and I do it all the time. So last year, I found this new game called Pickleball. It was similar to tennis, a bit, it's more than like table tennis, but it's smaller than actual tennis. And so it's a lot of fun. So we taped off, me and Carter, we taped off some pickleball courts at the gym, and multiple nights a week, we'd go play pickleball. Well, I quit that. I didn't quit it, but we kind of got burnt out with it. Now I've picked up golf, and golf is more of an expensive sport, but that's Ashboro, they're a little, a little place in Ashboro, the uh, sports addict, got a great deal on some used clubs. And so I go to this little city course in Ashboro, it's like 10 bucks to play. Phenomenal place. I'm awful at golf. I started playing in April. And the ball was going left, the ball was going right, the ball was going behind me, the ball was going ne never toward the flag where I'm aiming, it was going every which way. But what I did notice, if I would go, every other time I would go, I would get just a little bit better. And a little bit, now I'm no pro. You don't see me on the TV today playing in the Travelers Championship. You didn't see that. But I'm still not shooting great. I did hit my first par the other day, and I had a, it was a great time. And so every single, every now and then, you hit a good shot. Like, wow, you know, I'm getting a little bit better. My swing feels a little more fluid. This iron shot didn't top and roll three foot in front of me. It actually went in the air and went in somewhat direction like it's supposed to. Practice, consistency is key with anything in our life. So is true with your spiritual disciplines. Consistency is key. Seems like in my life, it's personal experience. When I began this process and this pattern of spiritual disciplines, especially when I was a teenager, I would come back from camp, I would come back from a winter retreat, I would get, come back from a revival, and I made this great decision, every single day I'm going to read the Bible. That lasted for like two, two and a half weeks. And then it seemed like, oh, tomorrow I'll read it, next week, or, and then it just kind of dissipated. And that became a pattern in my life. And so, Paul writes in Philippians, I have not attained, in verse 12. So, what does that mean? It means the Apostle Paul has not yet arrived at full spiritual maturity. And so, for us, for me, to say that I have arrived and I need no help in my spiritual disciplines, that's arrogance on my part. If, the, if we're looking at resumes, the Apostle Paul has a phenomenal resume for the gospel ministry. Saved called, equipped, and went. That's his story. Paul, every single day of his life, was telling someone about Jesus. In Philippians, the context of Philippians, he's writing it from a jail. And in chapter 1, he says, I'm chained to a guard every single day of my life. And while I, this guard changes every four hours, they change the cuffs from one guard to the next guard, so every four hours I get someone. He was continually consistent with his gospel ministry in his gospel proclamation. How? He simply pursued Jesus every day of his life. Turn to 1 Peter. Just flip over a few books. 1 Peter chapter 2 specifically. Peter's writing under the same day that Paul wrote a lot of his epistles. Nero's on the throne. He's persecuting Christians. He's lighting Christians on fire. He set Rome on fire and blamed the Christians. Wicked time in Christianity. And Paul writes chapter number 2. Look at verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, hypocrisies, 
in envies and evil speakings. He's saying, now that you're a believer, now that you're a follower of Jesus, your life looks a little bit different. Laying all that aside, but notice verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He says in verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. It's a daily hunger. It's a daily thirst. It's a daily desire that Jesus, I'm not content with my level and my knowledge of who you are today. Therefore, I want to grow in spiritual maturity to know you on a deeper, more intimate level so that I can become like you. That's what he says. As newborn babes, how do we grow? Desire the sincere milk of the word. Paul writes to the Corinthians. Corinthians were messed up in a lot of things. They had a lot of wickedness. They had a lot of paganism. They had a lot of worldliness in them. And he writes to them, I would like to come to you and preach the meat of Scripture. What's the meat? It's the deep doctrines, the deep truths of Scripture. But he says, I continually have to go back to the simple things, to the milk of Scripture. Because the Corinthians, what were they not doing? They were not pursuing Jesus every single day of their life. And so there's no formula for how to, one night I'm not growing, the next day, well, I'm, all, I'm this great mature Christian. It's a process. It's daily. I like how Kurt Skelly said it, one of my professors um, years ago. He said, it's the Spirit of God that indwells with inside of you, that takes the Word of God, that daily makes you like the Son of God. So it's the, word of, it's the Spirit of God that takes the Word of God to make you like the Son of God. If you omit either one of those three, you're not a growing Christian. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved. The Spirit is a marker that you are a believer in Jesus. He indwells you from Acts on. He indwells every believer. So the Spirit indwells, and it's his job to make you like the Son of God. Now, you're not going to become righteous here on earth. We know that. But day by day, as you read a verse, and you apply that verse, and you implement that verse, you are daily, one step at a time. Kurt Scali said it like this. It's more than one day at a time. It's more than half a day at a time. It's moment by moment faith. Every single moment that I'm implementing the truths of Scripture, the spirit that indwells on the inside of me is radically transforming my life, radically transforming my passion so that I, day by day, moment by moment, am growing in Christ-likeness. If we were to look at verse 16, 1 Peter chapter 1, it says this, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It's a command. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now you say, Travis, I'm not holy. No, we're not. But day by day, through spiritual discipline, we become one step, one inch, one moment closer to knowing Jesus on a more deeper level. So Paul says, we as believers in Jesus should desire the sincere milk of the word. The technical term for this process is sanctification to glorification. Sanctification to glorification. Say, so what, what does that mean? Sanctification is the process that begins on the inside of you the moment you accept Christ as Savior. It's a radical transformation. You go from death to life, from light, from darkness to light. You are from being blind to being able to see. So this process of sanctification starts the moment you accept Christ as Savior. Say, so what, what is that process? It's simply the process of making you like Jesus, making you in his sight, to be like him for when you get to heaven. So sanctification takes place here on earth. Now, we know the Bible, does, the Bible teaches that there are none righteous, no, not one, that we're all sinful, we all fall short of the glory of God. So sanctification is not this thing that happens that when you accept Jesus on earth, you will never sin again. It's not that. It's an ongoing 
ongoing, slow-moving process in your life. Day by day, moment by moment, the Spirit of God is taking the Word of God to make me like the Son of God. And so that's sanctification here on earth. It goes from the moment we accept Christ till we take our last breath. And then glorification takes over. That's when there's no more sin. That's when there's no more tears. That's when there's no more sorrow. That's when there's no more pain. That's when there's no more aches. That's when there's no more fights. That's when there's no more disagreements because we're with Jesus forever. Jesus died to take away every imperfection to give us his righteousness. It's called imputed righteousness. He credits, is the banking term there. He credits onto my account his righteousness. That can't fully be completed until we get to heaven and our sins are completely removed. We have no more sinful flesh in heaven. So it's sanctification to glorification. So to live as a Christian means to grow spiritually each day so we move closer to Christ with every season of our life. It's that simple. To live as a Christian means to grow spiritually in some way, in some form, every single day of our life with every season of our life. The biblical truth is that spiritual growth should be a natural process, kind of like physical growth. Spiritual growth should be, a, it shouldn't be something that's forced, shouldn't be something that's coerced, shouldn't be something that you have to pull your arm and somebody has to do a trick and give you a dollar. It's not like that. That's not physical growth. You're born, you get milk, you start eating real food every single day. You're growing. Some way, some form, you're growing. That should be true with spiritual growth. We shouldn't be so okay with the status quo of, I didn't grow this past year. I didn't study this past year. I didn't implement prayer this past year. As a believer in Jesus, and this is not me, again, I've lived this. And so it's, in my life, it was not okay for me to just live this status quo life of sitting and attending and never implementing true spiritual growth in my life. The purpose of your spiritual life is you accept Jesus, you have a home in heaven forever. However, you have a mission here on earth until he takes you home. How can we fulfill that mission if we're not solely engaged in daily spiritual growth. We must be. As babes desire the sincere milk, we must be like newborn Christians, desiring the truth of the word. So, if you've ever seen, this is probably true in your life, the moment you received Christ as Savior, let's say you have a coworker that's never been to church a day in their life. You invite them to church, you invite them to the camp meeting, you invite them to the tribulation trail, whatever it is. They accept Christ as Savior. Um, it seems like immediately there is a huge shift in their life from not knowing anything about Jesus, not caring about Jesus, to now, man, look at them. They're telling that coworker about Jesus. They're telling that person about the Savior. They're telling that person about what happened. You say, well, why was their change so radical so fast? Or why was my change when I accepted Jesus so radical so fast? Simple answer. You went, I went from not implementing one ounce of spiritual growth to accepting Christ as Savior and implementing spiritual disciplines. I accepted Christ as Savior. Immediately you're told, hey, read the Scripture, communicate with God. We'll teach you how to do that through discipleship. That immediately starts changing you. The gospel has infiltrated your entire life. It has changed you. It has transformed you. And now you're plugged into a church. Now you're reading scripture. Now you're praying. And so that person who just accepts Christ to save, they have such a zeal and such a passion to serve him because they went from 
death to life, and they implemented spiritual growth. That first phase was quick. That first phase was sudden. That first phase was radical. That first phase was great. But then it seems like this is true for me. After that initial excitement wore off, Satan entered. Eh, you can do it tomorrow. Eh, you can do it next week. Eh, you can do it another day. And then the growth kind of slows down as we stop implementing all of these spiritual disciplines in our life. But that shouldn't be so. And it's been true for me, but it shouldn't be true for a believer. What the point is, spiritual growth should be daily. It's not a radical change, just like physical growth. You didn't go to the gym one day and say, man, I'm going to pump the iron and I'm going to get huge. It didn't happen overnight. But every single day was small gains, small growth. Something small was taking place. That's true spiritually. Every single day. You and I, like Paul, should be pursuing Christ Jesus so deep that we're growing spiritually and maturing every single day. Now, don't misunderstand this. You can read the Bible to just say you read the Bible and not truly grow in Christ. I had a guy come to me, he said, Travis, I've got a, this thing on my phone that keeps track of how many days I've read my Bible. I've read it 200 days in a row. I said, dude, that is fantastic. I said, what'd you read today? I don't know. <laughs> what'd you learn from it today? I don't know, but I read it in a row. So well, that's great. It's not just the, hey, I read the Bible today. It's not, it's not a checklist. It's not a thing that's like, okay, well, I got to get up and brush my teeth. It should be a daily routine, but if we're just simply saying, hey, I'm doing it just to tell others that I've done it, that kind of voids the spiritual growth aspect of it. So it's more than just, I get to tell my friends and my pastor that I've read the Bible 200 days in a row. It's that I've read the Bible today. I took time before work, before breakfast, after lunch. I sat down for even five minutes. I read one verse of scripture, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, and I understood it. And not only do I understand it, I'm able to apply it in my life today. And now I can go share that with someone. It doesn't matter if you read one verse or a whole chapter, as long as you understand it, that's spiritual growth. If we're just reading for the sake of, hey, guess what I read today, we're going to miss out on a lot of things that God wants to teach us. We've got to be willing to say, God, I want to read for you to understand it. So what's a good way to start your Bible study? Lord, I'm asking you to speak to me right here, right now, while I read this one. Maybe you just have time for one verse. That's okay. God, I'm asking for you to speak to me right here, right now on my lunch break. As I pull out my phone app, as I open my Bible in the car, as I open the Word before I go to work, speak to me. Reveal a truth to me so that I can understand it, so that I can apply it to my life today, and that I can share it with someone else today. We've got to be quick to understand and apply the truth of Scripture so that every single day we're growing in Christ-likeness. So the question that's the, that's the reverse. Question one. Are you currently in a season of spiritual growth or spiritual stagnation? This question, uh, this next point is we're going to talk about personal examination. Are we, am I, are you, currently in a season of spiritual growth or spiritual stagnation? You only, only you can answer that, you and the Holy Spirit. Are daily, you growing in Christ-likeness through personal 
love of the scriptures and a consistent prayer life. ROE. I'll do it tomorrow. Do it next week. I'll do it some other times. Number one, spiritual discipline should be daily. Number two, this is the prep. Prepare for spiritual growth. So when I, five years ago, or five years ago this, this coming January, four years ago this last January, I went to Israel. Now, I told you guys in a sermon a couple weeks ago, I had never flown before, let alone a 12-hour flight over the ocean in a tin can, and I was scared to death. There was a lot of preparing that had to come with that trip. A lot of things I wish I would have known going forward because I am still and was an extremely picky eater. And so all my guy told me was, Travis, it was Heath Williams when he comes July 23rd. He said, Travis, just take a pack of nabs for every day and you'll be fine. All right. So I set sail on this 14-day trip, 12 hours over the ocean with one box of nabs, not understanding that I probably wouldn't like the food in Israel. Now, it's just it's chicken and rice. A lot of you would like it, but I'm picky. They put one seasoning on everything. And that one seasoning just did not settle with me. Now, my friends, they're loving it, having the time of their life. They're eating lamb, and they're eating goat, and they're all things. I'm like, I don't want that. I just want the chicken. And I go back and eat my one pack of nabs. And I did take a box of goldfish, those extreme cheddar goldfish. And literally on the bus, I was rationing those goldfish because I only had one box for 14 days. So I would take like a small handful and eat one goldfish. I was starving over there. There was a lot of preparing for that trip. Food-wise, had to get a different adapter for the... Uh, to charge electronics, to plug things up, had to get a passport. There was a lot of prep work that went into going overseas for 14 days, a lot of packing, a lot of planning. They said, Travis, whatever you do, do not lose your passport. So what I encourage you to do is take photocopies of your passport and put them everywhere. I took that literally. I made 100 copies of my passport. Every section of my suitcase, picture of my passport, in my shoes was a picture of my passport, in my pockets was my passport. So I knew I was not getting stuck over there with nobody else. I heard that if you say the wrong thing, like oh, the, the, the Israeli guards will get you and you got to have your passport. So I was covered on the passport. There's a lot of preparing. So is true from going from any stage in spiritual growth to growing every single day. You got to prepare for anything you do. If you want to begin working out, you got to prepare. You got to eat right. You got to get up a little bit earlier. You got to go to the gym. You got to get a routine down. You got to know when you're going to do legs, when you're going to do arms, when you're going to do abs, all these things. You got to know, you got to prepare for it. So is true spiritually. We have to prepare for it. Let's turn to Psalm 139. We've been going through Psalms on Sunday nights, and I don't know if we've had Psalm 139, but there's a few verses in Psalm 139 I want us to look at that is important for spiritual growth before we really get to the spiritual disciplines in the next couple of weeks. Psalm 139, look at verse number 23, last two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Your homework, what I'm going to ask you to do once we get through this, is this week, Next week, I want you to pray that prayer every single day. God, search me. Examine me. Know me. Show me what in my life is hindering my spiritual growth. Just like with anything in your life, you got to prepare. If you're going to the doctor, you're not just going to go to the doctor and you're going to walk in and she's going to look at you and say, well, yep. You've got diabetes, so you need to get this. They're going to do what? Blood work. They're going to do a physical exam. 
They're going to, multiple times they're going to stick you. That's why I don't go to the doctor. I hate those needles. And so over and over, they're going to do all these exams and all these tests to figure out exactly what you'll give them your symptoms. They'll look at you. They'll take your vitals. They're doing what? They're examining you to figure out what is wrong with you. So is true spiritually. We've got to ask the Lord. And this is a good practice if you read the Bible every day and grow from it. This is a good practice to do often. God, search me today. Reveal in me any wickedness that might be hindering my relationship with you. Psalm 139 is one of the most beautiful psalms that David penned. He's vulnerable with God. He's real before God. He's asking God a question that a lot of believers are scared to ask God themselves. He says, examine my deepest desires and intentions. Lord, examine my motives. God, examine my mind, examine my heart. Reveal in me anything that does not need to be there. God, do a close examination on every crevice of my soul and reveal to me through your word, through your spirit, what does not need to be in my life. David begins the psalm. Look at verse number one. Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Look at verse two. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. What's David saying? God, you already know everything there is to know about me. You know who I am. You know my deepest thought. You know my deepest fear. You know my deepest worry. You know my deepest anxiety. God, you've already searched me and you know me. You know where I go. You know where I've come from. You know where I'm going. You know where I, what I'll do in 10 years. God, you know everything. So then he pins down through the rest of the psalm and he says, so God, since you already know, I'm going to ask you to reveal to me the things that you already know about me. That's powerful. That's a powerful prayer. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows your soul better than you know your soul. God knows my thoughts better than I know my thoughts. And so for us to get to a place in our spiritual growth where we say, God, I desire to go to the next level with you. I desire to grow in Christ-likeness with you. It begins with an examination. God, what in my life needs to be removed? God, what in my life for the past month has been hindering me from growing in Christ-likeness every single day of my life? It's a crucial step for all believers. It's a pivotal step for all believers. And a lot of believers are fearful. I'm not saying you are, but a lot of believers are fearful to ask the question, God, what do you see in me that needs to be removed? Because we're made of flesh. The Bible says, you'll read Romans, it gives a bleak view of, of mankind. It says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after righteousness, none that seeketh after goodness. He gives a picture of mankind, says, hey, that's who we are as a, as a, as a society. That's who we are as man. That's who we are as humans. We're naturally sinful. So, just like Paul in Romans 6 and 7, as he's pursuing that word sanctification, he says, I fight with sin. David did too. And David says, God, search me and know me right here, right now. Question, what emotions do you experience when you think about asking God to examine your life? For some of you, that's, I'll do it. No big deal. For some of you, that might be, 
Is he going to reveal to me that one thing I already know he's going to reveal to me? Yeah. A lot of believers are scared to ask God this question because they're scared of what he might reveal. A lot of unbelievers are afraid to accept Jesus because they're afraid he's going to make them give up something in their life. You've probably heard that story. If I accept him, I have to live by these rules, these philosophies, this way of life, and I don't really want to do that. But as a believer in Jesus, he loves you so much. His desire is to reveal in us what needs to be removed so that we can grow in his plan and his will so that we can convey his, his mission to the world. Sadly, too many Christians have come to love their sin, love their lifestyle, and they settle with complacent, stagnant spiritual growth. And that's sad. That too many Christians have come to love their lifestyle and settle for minimal growth year after year, week after week, month after month. Look at Adam and Eve. God knows everything about you already, but he wants you to acknowledge it. So what did Adam and Eve do? They sinned. They rebelled against God. God said, one thing you can't do. They did the exact thing he said you can't do. The one thing. Then God comes into the garden and he says, what? Adam, where art thou? Now, God knows everything. God knew exactly what bush Adam was hiding behind. Why did he ask him? He said, Adam, where are you spiritually with me? Adam, where are you currently in our relationship? I want you, Adam, to acknowledge in yourself what you have done and how you have rebelled against me. You got to do it. Look at that. See that with David, Psalm 32, Psalm 51. He's running from God, hiding from God. God is convicting and convicting and convicting. And finally, David said, verse 5, Psalm 32, when I acknowledged my sin unto thee. All God wants is when he reveals, we acknowledge. When he shows, we respond. And so this process of spiritual discipline and spiritual growth with everybody, whether you've been growing in Christ-likeness every single day for your entire life or you've not been growing for the past month or the past two months, it all begins with spiritual examination. God, reveal in me what you would have me to remove. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is pictured in the, in the, the armor of God as a sword, but it's a small little dagger that goes in and makes precision cuts like a scalpel. And day by day, I told you in the beginning, Kurt Skelly said, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God to make you like the Son of God. Day by day, the Word of God slices away imperfection, unrighteousness, sinful habits in our life, and he makes these small precision cuts so that we can grow more effectively every single day of our Christian life. It's like that surgeon. You don't go in for heart surgery and they take out a machete. Say, all right, brother, I'm going to chop you right in half and open you up, and we're going to see what we can find. That's not what he does. Takes that really small scalpel, makes a very small incision to do some great work. That's what the Bible does. In daily spiritual disciplines, the Word of God goes in like a small scalpel, finds some sin tendencies, finds some bad habits, finds some impure thoughts, finds some excuses why we're not act actively pursuing Jesus, and it goes, it's going to slice that out. Just going to cut that away. Just going to make a small cut here. And day by day, if we apply that, we're doing exactly what God wants. Growing in spiritual maturity every single day 
of our life. We've got to be honest with ourselves in this, though. In spiritual examination, a lot of times we're deflecting and we're not honest. So God reveals something in our life that he wants to be removed, and we say, well, that person, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know what I've, where I've been. You don't know what they said to me or how they hurt me or whatever it is. Look, this is not to downplay legitimate hurt in your life. It's to say God deals with that person. He's the judge. We're not. So if there's something in our life that needs to be corrected, allow him to correct it. And be honest with yourself. God, I realize this is tough. God, I realize this is hard. God, I've carried this for 30 years of my life. And I've refused to give it up. But God, if you search me, you know my heart, you try me, and you know my thoughts, and you see if there be any wicked way in me, I'll do it. See, Travis, how in the world, for something that I've carried for so long, how could I give that up? Not in your power, in his power. Matthew 28, he commissions you to go out and spread the gospel, not in your power, but in his power. He, through the Spirit, empowers us every single day of our life. So it's easy to say, God, I acknowledge there may be a situation here in my life when we're, he's examining us. God, I acknowledge there's some sin. God, I acknowledge there's an issue. God, I acknowledge there's a problem. But then it's also easy to not take the blame. It's easy to deflect. It's easy to say, well, that person said to me, or that person did to me, or that person acts like this, or, that person acts like that. We must allow God to work in our lives in a special way so that we can begin to grow in spiritual discipline. Remember, God is all-knowing. It says it in verse 1 and 2. Meaning he already knows everything there is to know about you. He's just waiting on you to say, God, will you search me? Will you know me? Will you try me? Right here. So question three. When has God revealed something uncomfortable to you about yourself? And what happened next? Personal question. When has God revealed something uncomfortable to you about yourself? And what happened next? And question four. What obstacles tend to prevent you from being honest about your own life? So with spiritual growth, with spiritual discipline, what obstacles tend to prevent you from being honest about your own life? And so I'm going to ask you before we move on to the next truth, the next few minutes, it'll be quicker. This week, here's, here's all of our prayer. God, examine me today. Before I go to work, before I go to the grocery store, before I go make breakfast. God, examine me today. Then open his word, let him speak to you, and let him reveal truth to you. What a prayer to pray as believers in Jesus. Reveal to me, search me if there be any wickedness, and lead me in the way everlasting. I think we put this quote up here. I will not become the person God created me to be until I truly understand who I am now. I will not become the person God created me to be until I truly understand who I am right now. So what's that mean? If there's something that's clouding and blocking our relationship with him, we can't serve, we can't grow, we can't mature like he wants us to if he don't reveal to us who we are right now and what needs to be removed in our life. Number three, realize that the process takes time. So your homework, Lord, search me every single day. Now we've got to realize that this process takes time. Charles Stanley sat down with his stepfather 
Charles Stanley, his dad died. You all know Charles. His dad died at a very young age. I think he was an infant or a newborn when his dad died. His mom remarried early. And so he had a bad relationship with his stepfather his entire life. Charles was a pastor preaching every single Sunday, and he said, I felt like there was a block between me and God. He had grown. He was maturing. He was reading Scripture. So I felt like there was something that's holding me back from great spiritual growth and a great spiritual explosion in my, in my Christian life. And he said, so I prayed Psalm 139. And I said, God examined me. And what God revealed to him was something he never wanted to deal with, a tainted relationship with his stepfather. So he said, I went and I sat down and had lunch with him as an adult. And he said, I told him all of my hurts. It didn't, it didn't fix all the pain that I felt as a kid. Didn't fix all of the hurt that I experienced. He said, but what it did do, it opened up my life so that I could begin to grow every single day to new levels. Now, this is Charles Stanley. He was growing and preaching phenomenal before that. But he simply prayed a simple prayer, God, examine me. And God revealed something in him from years ago, hurt, to where God could use him in greater ways. So this process of examining who we are, it takes time. God's not going to say, and it's thankfully that he does this. He's not going to reveal to us every imperfection that we have as soon as we pray this prayer, or then as we can't handle that. He's going to slowly say, okay, here's an area you need to work on. We begin to work on that, pray it again. Okay, here's an area you need to work on. Okay, well, here's an area you need to work on. Just like from you as a newborn to you now. You did not grow up overnight. You didn't start, you know, one month old, now you're 18 years old. Some of you might think time flies like that, but literally it, it didn't. It was... 365 days a year, 18 years, that took for you to become an adult. It was a slow progress. So is spiritual maturity in your life. It's a slow progress to becoming the person Jesus has called you to be. Just like I told you a story a couple weeks, months ago probably, about me trying to grow a tomato. I can't. So I didn't even try this year. So this illustration is not happening this year. I tried for the past three years, can't grow a tomato to save my life. But what? Why I couldn't grow the tomato, I believe, is I didn't give the plant the time and the energy and the water that it needed to grow into a delicious tomato. We have to give the process time. A lot of Christians say, Travis, I've been reading the Bible five days in a row and nothing. I'm not growing. I'm still tempted. It's slow progress. You don't just wake up, and, man, I read one verse of Scripture today and wow. I'm in heaven and I'm glorified. It's not how it works. It's a slow progress, day after day, moment after moment, spiritual discipline after spiritual discipline, growing to become like Jesus. So there's a tough question. How much time do you give God in prayer during a given day? Now, there's no right, I'm not going to get up here and say, hey, well, you've got to be four hours a day, brother. You know, there's no right, wrong answer. How much time do you give God in prayer in a given day, in a given week? I'm not saying there's a right and wrong answer, but I'm saying I could pray more. I could spend a few extra minutes in prayer every single day. Secondly, how much time do you give God in Bible study in a given day, in a given week? Answer honestly. How much time? Now, again, there's no, well, you've got to sit down for two and a half hours and you know, study the scriptures every single day. There's not a right and wrong. There's just, hey, I've got to study the scriptures. Whatever that looks like for you. I've got to study the Bible. I've got to implement these spiritual disciplines. How much time do I give God in daily Bible study each and every day? Again, we can all do better in these spiritual disciplines. And so today, we've got one more truth to look at. It will be two minutes on that one, three minutes. Today, 
a little bit of more of a looking at ourselves to get revealed what can open up something great in the next two weeks of this. Because when I was in, I was going to tell this in two weeks, but I'll tell it now again, or before. When I first got saved, all I knew was I was supposed to read the Bible. And so I took this Bible that I got when I graduated master's club here at Beulah, and I just went out, and I looked at it every night, and me and my friend, we come back, we got challenged in the summer at youth group. It was to read the Gospel of Luke, I believe it was. And so every week we'd talk about a different chapter of Luke, and we had to study Luke together. And so we went home, and literally I had no idea what I was doing. I was just reading Luke. And so I took a blue highlighter, and I highlighted literally almost every single word of the Gospel of Luke. And I was reading, I was implementing spiritual disciplines, but I had no idea what I was doing. Now, God was speaking to me through that. That's a great place to start. But here I was highlighting literally every, I could still probably pull that Bible out of my bookshelf, every single word of the Gospel of Luke, trying to highlight it blue just to say that, hey, look, I've read my chapter, I've done what I'm supposed to do. And so I'm not saying that you're not a growing Christian. What I'm saying is we all have a place that we can go to a new height. If Paul, the Apostle Paul, could say, I've not arrived, I'm, I have enough understanding to say, I have not arrived. And I believe the same would be true for every believer. If we would have, you say, how do you know that? If you would have arrived, you'd be in heaven. Arriving, the finish line, he said in Philippians 3, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. What's the mark? It's a distant finish line in the future that is heaven. And Paul says, when I get there, then and only then have I arrived. So until then, I can know Jesus deeper. If Paul can say that, we can say that. I can know Jesus more. I can study his ways more. I can implement prayer more. I can grow in Christ's likeness more. If Paul can say it, we can say it. And we ask the Lord, reveal in me what I need to know. Say, why, why, why? Why is all this important? Here's the last truth. Satan desires to have you. Flip to Luke, Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22. Read just a few verses and then we are finished. Look at Luke chapter 22, look at verse number 31. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. See verse 31 again, Simon, Simon. Speaking endearment to him, speaking as a friend to him. Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. Now, what's that mean? That wheat, if you go to Psalm 1, we won't flip there. The Bible says, the godly are like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth much fruit in their season. Then the Bible says, but the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. So what does that mean? It means if we're not, now, Jesus had called Peter in this Luke 22 to watch and pray while he prayed as he's heading to the cross. Peter didn't do that. He fell asleep. If we're not committed to daily personal Bible study and spiritual disciplines and spiritual growth on a deeper level, Satan will say, I want them. I want their mind. I want their life. I want their devotion. I want their time. I want everything about them. That may sift them like wheat. So what does that mean? Chaff and wheat, it blows whichever direction the wind is blowing. 
And what Jesus is saying is, hey, if we're not careful, if we're not diligent, if we're not devoted, when this wind of doctrine comes, when this way of the world comes, when culture says this, we follow it. So why are spiritual disciplines important? As to the youngest, to the oldest, why are spiritual disciplines important? Because Satan desires your life. And if you were saved, Satan knows that he cannot take you to hell with him, but he says, if I can get them off mission, I succeed. So that's why spiritual disciplines are so important in a Christian's life. Because Jesus, like that first quote, spiritual disciplines are the wire that connect us to the power of the gospel. When you and I, as followers of Jesus, are committed to Scripture and growing in Jesus every single day of our life, Satan can try to enter from this side, he can try to enter from the back, but we're covered in Scripture because we like Jesus. It is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus, Psalm 62 says, he's our defense. And we are walking in Christ-likeness to grow every single day of our life. So here's the challenge this week. Lord, examine me. Reveal any wickedness, reveal any complacency, reveal any stagnation in me. It's a great prayer for all of us to pray. And then we'll come back in two weeks and we'll just get very practical. I hope that's okay. We'll just get very practical on studying the scriptures. And really my prayer, what, what churches have seen, there's they've been a report sent out, not just Beulah, but it's been sent out. I've seen it in one of my classes. Since small groups have been growing in churches, something that's been very common is that men and women lack a spiritual daily routine for Bible study and prayer. They've been saved, they've accepted Christ, but they lack that daily spiritual time with Jesus and Jesus alone. So week two, we're just going to look at Scripture, how to study, why to study, why it's important, and what it does for you in your spiritual life. So I hope today wasn't too much of an abrasive side. We'll get very practical in the next couple weeks. So thank you for your attention. Let's pray, and then ask the Lord to examine. Lord, we love you, and Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you've called us to great things. Lord, thank you that you're not okay with stagnation in our spiritual life. So Lord, I, forgive me for seasons of my life when I've been complacent with my spiritual growth. So now I ask that as we as a congregation, we as a class, we ask you in the coming weeks to, per, to examine us. Lord, lovingly as a father corrects their kid, you just reveal to us whatever it is you don't like in our life. Revealing us any object, any little g-god, any idol that might be hindering our devotion life to you. And Lord, just speak to us so that we can learn how to implement daily spiritual disciplines in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all those that came out tonight. Thank you for their attention. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.